something to say. Hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. Oh, Star Trek. Star Trek. What, what What have you done? What What have you done? <laughs> Why? Okay, hi. Yeah, today it's Monday, which means we're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery, which was a show that I was finally getting to a point of like, huh, I think I can really get into this. And then this week's episode happened. It's titled Saints of Imperfection, which has absolutely nothing to do with the episode. Like, I could see you trying to justify that title based on things, but, oh, it was basically named this because... Oopsie Daisy, we shouldn't have done that. Maybe I don't know. Here's a, here's a thing. Reboot was a bit too long. So the basic plot of this episode is that Tilly has disappeared, and they're going to get her back, cause reasons. And it's the episode that you it start well let me rephrase that. It starts out as the episode you expect after last week's Abel for Sharon. Um yeah. Yeah. Um we're going to spoiler town early. Usually I talk about these episodes a bit more before we get to spoilers. I can't do that today. I, I really can't. The yeah, the, mm, they did things. So, if you have yet to see Saints of Imperfection and you do not want to be spoiled about the events that take place in said episode, go watch it and then join me for the bewildered conversation that shall follow. Okay? Are you, are you, are you ready? Okay. So, if you're unaware, if you're new to the podcast and you don't know why I named this episode... What have you done, Star Trek Part 2? If you go back in time, you'll notice that there's a first episode called What Have You Done, Star Trek? And while I am not going to take credit for anything, I, I will say I feel like this was an angry Facebook comment response to my podcast that I did. Okay. Where to start? If you are unacquainted with the events of Star Trek Discovery Season 1, which I know not a lot of people saw, so I'm going to go over it real quick. The basic plot, well, one of the basic plots, the worst plot of Star Trek Se Discovery Season 1, is the addition of the character Ash Tyler, who, Surprise is actually a secret Klingon named Voke, who we meet in the first episode. And it's not a surprise. Like, from the first episode where they introduced him, I turned, looked at Brian, and said, Oh, he's a Klingon, you know. 
And then they acted like it was a surprise, like nobody knew. And he keeps doing weird and suspicious things and weird and shady things and having weird dreams. And, ooh, what's the mystery? There's no mystery. He's a Klingon. So eventually he goes, okay, for reasons that I'm not going to get into, he goes to the doctor, the doctor scans him and goes, oh, you're a Klingon. And then for reasons, the doctor turns around and looks at him and says, you know, you're a Klingon. And he jumps out of the bed, breaks the doctor's neck and kills him. Yeah. Because doctor be stupid, yo. That's not the worst part of it. Let's rewind a little bit. Star Trek Discovery is one of the most progressive new Star Treks in that it has a black female lead character, dun da da which I have to say, Shaniqua, Mike, um, Shaniqua Martin-Green, I always want to say Michael because her character's name is Michael, but Shanique, Shaniqua Martin-Green, great actress, love her. I actually really like Michael Burnham. I have no fault with that character. But... Oh, and here's the big one. They actually gave us a gay character. An out gay character. Not just an out gay character. They gave us two out gay characters. We have Paul Stamets, played by Anthony Rapp. And Dr. Hugh Culber, played by Wilson Cruz. And I love Wilson Cruz. You have no idea how much I love Wilson Cruz. And yeah, as soon as people like me saw that, oh, look, there's a mixed-race gay couple on Star Trek. Well, we better not get too attached to Dr. Culber, because he's gonna die, because you can't have two gays on a show, and yeah, they're not gonna kill the white one, because, you know, reasons. And it was a bad joke. And flash forward to Dr. Culber being an idiot telling the Klingon, hey, I know you're a Klingon, and then getting his neck snapped. Because, oh, Star Trek, what have you done? So, in this episode, <laughs> we find out that they're being... Okay, so May, the weird fungal infection that brought Tilly into the mycelial network that caused this entire episode to happen... She is trying to save them from a monster, and the monster turns out to be Dr. Culber, who entered the mycelial network. They tried to devour him. He fought back. He's now destroying everything, dot, dot, dot. Dr. Culber is accidentally committing genocide, trying to save his own life. Moral of the story is, you just never know who the bad guy is. And... I'm just going to go there. By the end of the episode, they bring him back to life. Yay! Uh-huh. So, the first joke that just kind of writes itself is in the season of Star Trek Discovery, which is the search for Spock. You know, somebody had to come back to life, but I'm Ching. Because, you know, in the search for Spock movie, you know, Spock's brought back to life by the Genesis planet... Which I guess they have more reason for having Genesis happen now because Starfleet could start exploring the technology within the cocoon and blah, 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 whatever. Okay. I don't know 
how to feel about this episode. I don't know. And it really depends on what happens after this episode. This episode... Oh, oh, the naffery that ensues. Okay, so before I just do what I'm going to do and belabor the main point of the episode way too much, Michelle Yeoh returns as Emperor Giorgio for like two seconds because, I don't know, we just need her and Michael to do evil stare-downs or... And to keep them from finding Spock for a little bit longer, because, yeah, stretch the plot out. Okay, so that happens, and then everybody knows that Section 31's a thing, but at least by the time of Deep Space Nine, they'll forget, but at least right now, everybody knows it's a thing. So, okay, that 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 happens, because she can just show them an insignia, and they go, ooh, you're Section 31, and da-da-da-da-da-da. And Section 31 decides they're going to send a liaison that's not going to be Michelle Yeoh, because that would be awesome. And of course, Ash Tyler gets brought back onto the ship. Yeah, just in time for the man he killed to be brought back from the dead. And, you know, that's going to be fun. You know, fun for everybody, because... Why not bring back the worst character that Star Trek's ever had? Okay. Yeah. Um. So, that's some of what happened. And apparently, Christopher Pike is friends with the guy who's heading Section 31, but they haven't talked to each other in a while, and they have weird banter. Oh, and that Admiral who was kind of a thing in the first season she shows up again because reasons i mean you just have to have admiral cornwell just magically appear because reasons yeah yeah so this episode was different and i'm not I don't know how to feel about it. The special effects were really good. It looked really good. That That is the one thing that I can consistently say about Discovery is the CBS has been putting the money into it that they need to so that the special effects pay off. That they're good and they're entertaining and they're interesting and I like them, but... Uh, Story-wise, this episode like at the very end of the episode emperor giorgio contacts michael just to be like well yeah you and i want the same things i'm not really a bad guy because i'm getting my own tv show and michael's like but you're the emperor you're definitely a bad guy and i'm sitting there going yeah but it's michelle yo so i'll probably watch it because i'm that person so look forward to that. I really... I, I Okay, so we watched the uncut, extended version of Crimes of Grindelwald the other day. And I'll be talking about that later this week, probably tomorrow. And I thought I was going to have a lot of complex, complicated things to say about that. And then we were like, well, Star Trek's been pretty good. Why don't we watch the new episode of Discovery? And then... Okay, so I am more 
like tossed up on my feelings about discovery than I am about crimes of Grindelwald. <laughs> Hold. We'll talk about that. Another episode. And that's not how I felt that this would play out. This wasn't necessarily a bad episode. And I'm not saying that it was. It was hopefully one of the last times we're going to deal with the mycelial network because they just need to let that go. It. We'll talk about Culver in a little bit because I. I just don't know how to feel about that. This. This episode felt much more like an episode from season one than from season two. And a lot of that had to do with, well, Ash Tyler's back, so the brooding, the brooding is back, and we have to have our brooding, not quite a Klingon, not quite a man. Okay. And... The, the, you can hear me, I'm just that, like, I put off and put off recording this episode so I could go through my thoughts, and the problem is, and why I thought I would just go ahead and record is the more I think about this episode, the more lost I am about it. Because visually, it worked. It had all of, like, from the perspective of a writer, all the beats are in the right place, the story hits all the moments that it needs to hit, it accomplishes several things that I believe that they set out to accomplish with this episode. And as such, it was successful, but uh, the, the, the emotional range that they go through from, okay, Colbert's not dead to, uh uh-oh, Colbert is dead to, oh no, we can save Colber. Oh no, we can't save Colber. To, oh, we saved him. In a very, like, it's very late in the episode when they reveal that the monster is Hugh. And so all of that has to happen very quickly. And... It's jarring. Like, I knew Wilson Cruz was going to be on this episode, and I remembered back when, you know, Stamets ran into him in the Mycelial Network last season, and I thought it was going to be something like that. I was spoiled about the fact that they brought him back prior to watching the episode, because that's how the internet works. It just... I don't know. Emotionally, this episode's a trip. But we'll talk about that a little bit more after the break. Okay, hi, we're back, and we're still talking about Star Trek Discovery, because I love Star Trek, and I can't help myself. It's a disease by this point. It's a fundamental compulsion that I have to do. Um, okay, so... The problem that I had with them killing Hugh was not that they killed a character or that they killed a character played by an actress, by an actor that I rather enjoyed, but that 
they fell squarely in the middle of a really horrible, destructive gay trope that, you know, you can't have more than one gay. So if you have more than one gay, you're going to kill one of them. And it's probably going to be the one that has the the most minority of the characters is the one that's going to die. So for example, in Buffy, when it fell into this trope, the bisexual Willow, and yes, Willow, I'm sorry, she has an actual relationship with a man that she has emotions for, and then she has an emotional relationship with Tara. So she is apparently bisexual. Tara is a lesbian. Tara is the most minority character. Tara is the one who dies. See how that works. And we can go through just too many, too many. This is such a common trope where you have to kill one of the gays. You have to. You you have to. Gay love always leads to suffering. And of course, you got to kill one of the... And it, it didn't help that this season killed off several characters primarily characters of color and I that's almost unavoidable like you can almost forgive them that trope just because they had so many characters of color on the show it would have been relatively difficult to kill a white character in season one and so that that's progress I guess but to finally get a not only a gay character on Star Trek, but to get a gay couple on Star Trek was huge. Especially for me, somebody who grew up watching the series and, you know, wishing to see myself represented better than just Data, somebody who didn't fit in. Having said that, you know, and you can always tell you know, where I'm coming from by my favorite characters, because they're always like Data or Odo or Phlox. You know, the outsider who just doesn't fit in for some reason. But... uh, So finally getting to see a gay character on Star Trek was huge. Getting to see two of them, huge. Having really good actors like Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz play them, huge. Really made me happy. To see them use this trope to summarily kill one of them in a useless plot that goes nowhere, that has no purpose, that serves no function on the show, was upsetting. Like, triply so. Because the whole Vogue storyline really didn't work. You can see them trying to clean that up in season two, And hopefully we'll get past that at some point because it just, it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. Don't do it, guys. Just don't do it. Um, yeah, it, it, it was, it was a very upsetting thing in season one. I don't know if it makes anything any better that they brought him back in season two. Like, that's 
the weird thing about this is I almost feel like this is an apology, right? Like, oh, we're sorry we didn't realize that we fell for this obnoxious trope of, you know, having two gay characters so one obviously has to die and having it be so obvious that, of course, the, you know, gay person of color has to be the person that dies. So it almost, it almost feels like an apology, almost but a lot of that is going to then hinge on what are they going to do with him after this like if he's so mentally fraught from his experiences in the mycelial network that he has to go away for psychological treatment well did they really bring him back like if he doesn't become a regular character on the show again in some way, shape, or form, does it matter that they brought him back? Right? So, say he and Paul end up breaking up. Does that, you know... They've now put so much pressure on this character and on the relationship between Paul and Hugh that I don't know that there's a right step that they can make here. Because... Seriously, if they thre- if they do a storyline that threatens his life again, that's not going to go over very well. You know there is going to be a showdown between him and Tyler either in the next in one of the next two episodes, I believe. Let's see, the next episode we don't know the title for, but the one after that, let's see, a couple up ep- after that. So we just watched episode five. That's the one we're talking about now. Episode eight is titled If Memory Serves. And we don't know the ones in between. But you know at some point Tyler <sighs> Tyler and Colbert are going to have a thing. Because... You know, Tyler is still dealing with the stuff that Voke did, and, well, Culber is going to have to deal with the fact that the guy who murdered him is on the ship. I mean, I don't, I don't see a good way forward with this. Now, I might get some emo- emotional satisfaction if Culber ends up killing Tyler or attacking him or something, because, you know, he's getting some of his own back, but you can't have him then get forgiven. So that's a way to get him off the show. And then, you know what I'm saying? I just, I don't see how this ends well. I don't see a good solution to this. I I don't see a way that they can use this character this story in this way and not have it mess up somehow because you can't given the nature of star trek discovery you really can't give stamets and culber a happily ever after unless you just get rid of both characters and have them fly off into the sunset never to be seen again because this is not really a show of happy endings which is something that i think they need to fix because it's star trek and star trek should be more optimistic 
but they do it does feel as though they are making a non-apology apology because in the all of the surrounding media the one thing that we have not gotten is Brian Fuller or any of the other people involved with the creation and operation of Star Trek Discovery to come out and say, we used a, we, they can even say accidentally, but we used a harmful LGBT trope in season one. We're sorry. This is our way to try to make amends for that. No, they're just like, look, he's back. Isn't that exciting? He's back. You never know what's going to happen in Star Trek Discovery. And that's not it, man. Like, you're not hitting any of the right notes. And so it doesn't... Well, it, well, it partially feels like an apology because they did bring him back to life. It doesn't feel like an apology because they're not apologizing. And I don't know that I necessarily want an apology. Because it's not going to mean anything. Because even if, you know, pick a member of the cast or crew came out and said, we're sorry for this, right? Well, that do- it still happened. And bringing him back from the dead doesn't change the fact that it happened. So, I... I <sighs> Instead of going on with our lives, instead of going on with the show that was working and really becoming a better show in season two than it was in season one. It's a much better show in season two than it was in season one. Though, I, I overall, I did like season one. I feel like I keep having to say that because people want to say so many bad things, but it's an overall. Like, once you get to the big twist in season one, the show works and it's like, wow, okay, that was awesome. Right? With the exception of the Vogue thing. The Vogue storyline just doesn't work at all. And the fact that they're continuing the Vogue storyline and hopefully finishing it off somehow so that it will go away. I just don't know. You know, I, I was finally getting to a point where I was really getting into getting into Discovery. Last episode, you know, Abel for Sharon, I really liked. I really liked. It moved me to tears. And that is amazing. You know, my connection with the characters with Saru and Michael and, you know, it really solidified a lot of that. And then here comes this episode that brings back all of my mixed feelings and all of my you know, complicated emotions with the events of season one. And it's like they hit reset on the relationship I have with the, with the show. I would really like to know what your opinions are. If you watched this episode, because I feel like it's progress in some ways. I feel like it's capitulation in others. And I feel like they just pulled off a band-aid that, off, off of a wound that hadn't quite healed. And now it's bleeding again, slightly. 
because now I'm just worried about what they're going to do with the character. And I don't know. It, it, I am left with such, so many mixed feelings from this episode. Well, that's Star Trek for this week. Um, according to the schedule, there should be another one next week. So we'll see. Because the next episode is supposed to come out on the 21st. So we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I would love to hear your thoughts and feelings on this, if you have any. I, I just, it'd be nice to be able to put something in my head to figure out how to feel about all this. If you liked this episode, and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either the episode or the podcast or both, please do so. That helps out immensely. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people, and the more people we have listening, the higher the likelihood someone will answer my question with how to feel about this episode, because I, I think we need a large group to have somebody with enough wisdom to understand how to see this. I mean, wow. Just wow. Oh, Star Trek, what have you done? If you've got a buck you can throw my way. In the show notes, you'll see a link that says Anchor Community Support. If you click that, you can join the project for either $1, $5, or $10 a month. And that really does help a lot. Help me buy the new microphone that I'm talking to you on. Help me buy the software I'm using for the ebooks and a lot of different things. Maybe helping me buy some new star mapping software I'm looking at. If anybody has any recommendations of star mapping software, that would be good. Oh my goodness. If you don't have any money, trust me, I understand that. Money is tight for us right now, too. I really understand that. Um, what you could do is share the podcast with people that you think would enjoy it because that helps out immensely as well. Uh, if you want to talk to me, you can do so either at CE Dorset on Twitter or facebook.com slash groups slash project shadow. If you go there, you can find the project shadow group. I will definitely be putting this episode in there and hopefully getting some conversation off of it better than the last one where somebody came in to troll and eh, it was a thing. <laughs> Anywho, um, I am working on the new sci-fi series that I brought up with you all and you all seemed very excited about. I do have one question that I would like for you to contact me about with your opinion. How close to the real solar, the real galaxy do I need to be? Because I'm looking at star maps and trying to decide, ex you know, exactly how close to reality I need to be. So let me know your feels thereabouts. Anywho, until next time, when we'll probably be talking about the crimes of Grindelwald, because I have feelings... You all knew they were coming. They're here. Um, and they may not be what you expect. So, we'll see you on that. Anywho, until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.